name is Lisa, and I'm very blessed to be here. Um, I have a confession that this is not my forte, but the Lord has had so much mercy on me and been so good to me and not ashamed of me and my filth. I can't sit down on him. Um, wanted to let you know that I um, didn't grow up in a real religious oops, religious home, um, not spiritual-minded, but I uh, didn't know a lot about God. Married early, had my family, started my family young, and... Um, I had a home and family and job and, and, you know, from outward appearances, I should have been very happy, but there was an emptiness. I told my husband one day, I'm, I'm, I'm sad. I don't, I'm miserable. I'm not happy. I don't know what, I don't know what will make me happy. Um, I can't explain it. So uh, we separated and, you know, I did everything I thought and nothing, nothing helped. Uh, everything was, was even worse. That hole was deeper and darker. And uh, he was invited to church one day. Um, we went, and um, we both gave our lives to Christ that day. Um, the Lord, uh, I just got on my knees and said a simple prayer. But when I stood up, I didn't, see, you know, I hadn't seen any lightning or no, didn't see no dove. But I got up off my knees, and I felt light, and I felt relieved, and I felt forgiven. And um, over the next couple of days, I could feel the Holy Spirit working in my heart and changing my desires, changing my thoughts. And I had a lot of work to do. You know, the Lord had a lot of work to do on me, but I could feel the Holy Spirit changing me. Over the next um, 20 plus years, uh, we worked in the church and we served God and we raised our girls. And um, And there came a point, some things happened and, and we, we both lost focus on Christ. Um, I'd like to tell you it was all his fault, but truth be known, it, you know, there were a lot of things I could have done differently. Um, we lost focus, and after 34 years, we divorced. Um, he remarried, and I took off running. I took off running away from God. I felt ashamed. I felt like a failure. Um, all those lies that we believe, you know, I felt unlovable. And, um, and I took off running, and you know, when you run away from God, you know who you run into. Well, um, so needless to say, one day I, I found myself on my knees again, uh, praying this crazy prayer. But um, I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, I don't, I don't have the desire to do your will. I don't have the desire to serve you, or I don't want to know what you have to say about my life. But I want that desire, and I don't have the power to change myself. Um, I repented for my sins and asked him to, to please take me, you know, take hold of my life, and he met me there. Um, he met me, and he had never, never left me. No matter how far I ran, he was always right there near me. And um, he really honored my prayer, and I'm really thankful for that. And I, I've learned a lot of valuable lessons, but one of them was that that the Lord loves us just as much on our worst day as he does on our best. And, um, and that I, I, can't, I can't put the responsibility of my happiness and joy and peace on another person. That belongs to God and God alone. Um, not, a, not a spouse, not a church, not a friend. That, that spot belongs to God. And I'm, I'm very thankful, and I'm very honored, and I appreciate um, uh, Pastor Jason 
encouraging us to give God his glory. And I want to thank y'all for loving me. Amen. That's a double blessing right there. Two, two people, two people helping you out. Mm. Amen. Amen. Guys, if you have your Bibles, open them up to uh, John chapter 5. Uh, John chapter 5. I want to thank Lisa so much for um, blessing us with her story and, and boasting of all that Christ has done. And uh, I think it's really important, just the vulnerability, right, that, that we have to understand that uh, God gets the most glory when we allow people to see the scars and the hurts and the pain and, and how, how Christ works in spite of us, Right? Um, and, and that he's that place that we run to, and so uh, just so good. I, I pray that the Lord is speaking to you through these testimonies. Um, guys, we're doing this series called This Is My Story, and what we're doing is walking through the Gospel of John. And we're walking through the Gospel of John, and we've entitled this series This Is My Story because that's really what the Gospel of John is, is all about, right? And uh, in, in the Gospel of John, we, we find these unique encounters where Jesus comes into contact with people, and when he comes into contact with people, stuff happens. And it happens in their life. And, and, and what, it, what, what it shows is who he is, right? So we learn more about who, who Christ is, but also kind of shows us who we are. We learn a whole lot about who we are and who God intends us to be. And so that's why we've attacked this series that way. And so, uh, guys, this morning I'm in John chapter 5. We're going to read 26 verses together or so. Before we do, we're going to pray. And so join me in a word of prayer. Father, um, thank you for being good and thank you for meeting with us. We, we come before you and um, God, our prayer is that you would help us to understand the sufficiency of your word. Because your word is alive and your word is active and it's sharper than a double-edged sword. We know that's useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting and training and righteousness. And we just say we need all that stuff. And so, God, we just, we just need you to meet with us, and we need you to change our, our stiff necks and our stubborn hearts and our hard hearts. We just need you to make us and mold us into your image this morning. We just pray this morning. If there's any wayward way within us that you would reveal it unto us gracefully by the power of your Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit, we recognize that you're the teacher of the church. You're not just the teacher of the church, but you're the teacher of every individual that makes up the body called the church. And so we ask you to come and just do your thing. Come and guide us and lead us and teach us in the ways of Jesus. Exalt Jesus Christ in our midst that we might see him clearly because when we see him, we will want him. We will be drawn to him. Drawn to that grace. And Jesus, as you're lifted up, would you transform us and change us as only you can? Would you mold us and make us into your image? I think Lisa said it well. Sometimes we gather here and we don't have the desire to follow you. We don't have the ability to get up and to make it happen. And so this morning we pray that you would put within us that desire. As we study your word, change us from the inside out. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So guys, uh, 26 verses in the book of John, chapter 5, first 26 verses read like this. It says, after this, a Jewish festival took place. We don't know what the festival is. Don't ask. Can't tell you. All right? Just a festival. Right? We, if it was one of the big ones, probably would have named it. John gives us all the details we need. We don't know what it is. It says, a festival took place uh, up in Jerusalem, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. He, by the sheep gate in Jerusalem, there is a pool called Bethesda. In Aramaic, which has five colonnades, within these five colonnades lay a large number of disabled, blind, lame, and paralyzed. 
That's what's going on. That's where Jesus goes. That's, 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 that's the place he goes to. Uh, it says one man was there who had been disabled for 38 years. 38 years when Jesus saw him lying there and he realized that he'd already been there a long time. Right? I don't know that he's been there all 38 years, but clearly he has been there some years. Dude has been here a long time. Okay? Get this. He said to him, do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? Sir, the disabled man answered, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I'm, I'm coming, someone goes down ahead of me. Get up, Jesus told him. Pick up your mat and walk. Instantly, the man got well. You're going to hear that word well again here in a second. You might start to think this passage is about getting well. Maybe if it's repeated three times. God's like, hey, if I say it three times, will you hear what I'm saying? You know, I tie in with my kids. Hey, hey, did you hear me? It's time to put your clothes away. Did your laundry. I even folded for you. You need to put your clothes away. This is the third time I've said it. I'm about to take everything away you own. Do you understand? Because you don't really own nothing. I'm about to teach you a lesson. No, I'm just joking. God's about to say it three times, children. I just want you to pay attention. Just want you to pay attention. Get up, Jesus told him, pick up your mat and walk. Instantly, the man got well. He picked up his mat and he started to walk. Now, that day was the Sabbath. And so the Jews said to the man who had been healed, this is the Sabbath. The, the law prohibits you from picking up your mat. Be like, dude, I'm about to kick somebody. I can move my legs now. You better get out of my way. Tell me not to pick up my, what? Just, just saying. Saying, now the day was a Sabbath, so the Jews said to the man who had been healed, this is the Sabbath, the law prohibits you from picking up your mat. He replied, the man who made me well, there it is again, told me, pick up your mat and walk. Well, who is this man who told you, pick up your mat and walk, they asked. But the man who was healed did not know who it was because Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Now, after this, Jesus found him in the temple and he said to him, see, you are, what's that word? Well, maybe this passage is about wellness. Right, that's the fourth time. See, you are well. So listen to what he says. Do not sin anymore so that something worse doesn't happen to you. The man went and reported to the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. I don't understand that verse at all. Just saying, if Jesus heals you, you might not want to rat him out, you know? Like, Thank you, Jesus. That's the dude right there. He's the guy. Right? Just saying. He reports him. It says, therefore, the Jews began persecuting Jesus because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. Jesus responded to them, my father is still working and I'm working also. This is why the Jews began trying all the more to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal to God. Those people that tell you Jesus never claimed to be God have never read the Bible. Jesus is saying he's God. Now listen, Jesus responded to them. Uh, Jesus replied, Truly I tell you, the Son is not able to do anything on his own, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, the Son likewise does these things. For the Father loves the Son and shows him everything he's doing, and he will show him greater works than these, so that you will be amazed. And just as the Father raises the dead and gives life, so the Son also gives life to whom he wants. The Father, in fact, judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, so that all people may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Anyone who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Truly I tell you, anyone who hears my words and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not come under judgment, but is passed from death to life. 
Truly, I tell you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For just as the Father has life in himself, so also he has granted to the Son to have life in himself. All right. It's a tough story. Just to be honest with you, there's a lot of tough things in this passage. One of the tough things in this story is this dude is healed and the text never says that he believed in Jesus or had faith. Never. He doesn't even thank Jesus. Did you catch it? Not one time does he turn and say, say, hey, thanks. Thanks. I was in a really bad place. Thank you so much. I never says it. I, I don't know about you, but I read the story. I want the dude to be a hero. Right? I want him to stand up. I, I want him to be like, 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 like the blind man we're going to find in, in John chapter 9 that's going to stand up to these religious people and he's going to be like, I, I don't know what you think. I don't know about your laws, but I'm telling you, I was blind and now I see. I want him to be that guy, but he's not. He's just not here. So I, I read this, this passage and, and I go, God, where are the rest of the details? Right? How come you don't give me more of the details? Why don't you go give me more of the story? And then I remember that God's word is sufficient. That in God's word, God has revealed everything about himself that we need in order to find his son, Jesus. And then I remember why John wrote this book, right? John chapter 20, verse 31. He says, uh, these things are written so that you might believe Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. And then God says, hello, there's a reason I have this story here, and this story still points to the fact that my son is Savior. This story is sufficient for you. You don't need all the details. So instead of focusing on what we don't know, why don't we focus on what we can learn from this story, what we do know? And so this morning, I, guys, I spent all week, I, I, my outline was all over the place. I had like 22 points, and I decided to preach one. So there was one thing the story of this dude's life teaches us. I think we all need to get, it, it's this, ready? Here it is. If we want to get well, we must be willing to change. If we want to get well, we must be willing to change. If you don't believe that this passage is about getting well, then you missed the point because God says it four times in his word, <laughs> right? So this passage for me at this week as I just meditated on it and I prayed about it, I could not get away from the question of Jesus, right? I mean, that is a powerful question. That's like an atomic bomb that Jesus drops on this man. Do you want to get well? Right? Do you want to get one? And then the question is immediately followed by two commands. And John, like, doesn't leave it. Like, the whole point is we would see all these things together. So, so literally, Jesus comes to the man. And he says, hey, do you want to get well? Now, that word in the Greek means, do you want to be made whole? Do you want to be restored? Right? Do you want that? That's what, what Jesus asked, right? And as I thought and I prayed, but I just, I think that this is what uh, John wants us to see, right? So I want to set the scene for you just a little bit. Uh, there is a festival in Jerusalem, and when the Jews go to Jerusalem, every good Jew goes where? To the temple, right? That's where they go. Uh, only, it's kind of interesting, Jesus, when he goes to the temple, he doesn't go to the court of Israel, which could have been the highest court that he had access to as a Jewish male, right? He couldn't go to the court of the priest because he wasn't a priest, but uh, well, he was a priest. They just didn't know he was a priest. They didn't recognize him as a priest, right? But, but so he, he could have gone to the court of Israel. He doesn't go there. He could have walked into the court of woman, women and, and, and hung out with, with any Jews that were there and, and spent time. He could have been in the court of the Gentiles, but he doesn't go there. He doesn't, he doesn't enter through Solomon's porch. He doesn't go through the gate beautiful. No, when we find Jesus, he's in a part of the temple that nobody else wants to go to. He's by a gate called the Sheep Gate. 
Now, the sheep gate was on the northern side of the temple. It was just a little hole through which they would bring in the dirty, I mean, they're sheep, right? All right? So they're supposed to be clean, blemished, all unblemished, all that. They bring in the sheep, and there is a little pool, and they would bathe the sheep before they took them to the offering. And the text says that at this, at this sheep gate, that there was a pool, and, and, and there's some interesting things. So some people think this pool was, was, was fed by a couple of springs. We don't know that. What we do know is there's a colonnade, uh, several of them, five, in fact. So these colonnades, maybe a portico, maybe just kind of a little covered entrance, you could imagine. And so these are surrounding it, so, so kind of covered in area. Now, I don't know how your imagination works. Mine goes a little something like this. So uh, that, that area has water, and it's hot in this region, which makes that area a little humid and stuffy. So here they are. They're in a little humid and stuffy kind of cramped place. And, and who is in this place? Because no, no Jew goes to this place. This is the place that they all avoid. And so the text says, who's here, right? It, the text says in verse 3, within this place lay a large number of disabled, blind, lame, and paralyzed. That's who's here. That's who's here. These people considered unclean. So where does Jesus go? He doesn't go to the highest place. He comes to this place. He comes to this place where these people are lame, disabled, blind, and, 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 and hoping for a cure. Now, what are they hoping for? They're putting their hope in, in this thing that would occur. Uh, now, our text, uh, if, if you have uh, this Bible or, or an NIV, it may not actually have the, the verse there. Uh, in the King James Version, it, it'll say what happened. It says, this man says eventually, I can't get into the water when it's stirred. Well, how was the water stirred? So, so uh, verse 4, so the King James Bible, if you guys don't know this, uh, at the time that King James you know, said, hey, I want, I want this copy of the Bible written, uh, they, they, they collected everything that they could find, and, and that collection is called the Textus Receptus. It was everything that they had at the time. Now, they had, not find, they had not found the Dead Sea Scrolls yet. Now, the Dead Sea Scrolls are the oldest version, which means they're the more accurate Somewhere along the way, uh, what happened is somebody that was copying the Bible, um, they came to this, well, what do you mean the water stirred? And so they, they went and began to ask and research. And so Jewish tradition says that the water was stirred by angels' wings. An angel would come down and stir the water, and the first one to get in the pool at that point would be healed. All right? So here's where Jesus shows up. He comes to this pool, and, and, and so if you're trying to figure out what this place might smell like, I, I just, I'm telling you, um, when, when there's not a porta potty and it's stuffy, and it's filled with the stench of urine and fecal matter, it's probably not the best place to hang out, especially not after lunch, right? If you've ever had a physical ailment, if you've ever been and had someone you love that was maybe in a nursing home or some kind of place, you may remember you've got some memories attached to some smells. That's where Jesus goes. And when Jesus goes to that place... He comes to a man who has been there for, well, we don't know that he's been there for 30, he's been disabled for 38 years, and it says he has been in that place for a long time. And Jesus, when he comes to that man that's been there in a long time, he asks him a profound question, right? And the, the profound question is, do you want to get well? And, and, and hear me, this is important because this is Jesus. Jesus uh, has, has done this stuff before, right? Jesus knows a little something about suffering and solitude and our propensity to sit and sulk in our circumstances. And so what he, he, what he does is he comes to this man and before he gives him the how to, he asks him, do you want to? Now, friends, I love you and I'm going to say this as tenderly as possible. But in our world, 
we're going to come across, and, and we fall into this category sometimes, but there are some people in our world that, believe it or not, they do not want to get well. They do not want to be healed. They just want to be helped. Right? You don't believe me, just go ask a physician. How many people go to their cardiologist because they're having chest pain? Because uh, there's shortness of breath. They go to the cardiologist. They do go for their yearly checkup. They stand on that scale and their doctor tells them, well, you're overweight, right? Your diet stinks. You got to cut out the ice cream. You got to start exercising. You got to stop smoking. All right, sir. Now the doctor gives them the how-to. Guess what? They come back next year, same diagnosis. Why? Because the how-to doesn't work without the want-to, right? The how-to doesn't work without the want-to, and so Jesus comes to this man. He says, man, do you want to get well? And I'm going to tell you this morning, listen, before you start pointing fingers at people going, yeah, I know some people like that. See, we all have a tendency spiritually to be like that. Maybe not physically. Maybe, maybe when your doctor tells you to change your diet, you do it. And he tells you to exercise, you do it. But spiritually speaking, when we fall, when somebody in the church hurts us, when we get attacked or when our own sin even comes back to bite us in the butt, What we do is when we fall, we stay there. We have a tendency to sit. We have a tendency to sulk. Now listen, we may even come and put our place, uh, put ourselves in a place where we hear that God is working and healing. Isn't that what church is? (laughs) We might even show up and put ourselves in a place, in a portico, where we have heard that the Spirit of the Lord moves from time to time and that some people with problems like ours are healed, but that doesn't mean that we want to get healed. Jesus comes to the man who's put himself in the place, but then he asks him a profound question. The question is, do you really want to get well? Do you want to get well? Because it's not enough. Jesus is about to tell him how. He's about to tell him how. But the how without the want to, right? And so uh, this is what happens. I'm in verse 6. It says, he said to him, do you want to get well? And listen to the man's response. Sir, the disabled man answered, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I'm coming, someone goes down ahead of me. Do you notice he didn't answer the question? This is what I, this passage drives me crazy. Answer the question! <laughs> You're right. We're in a court of law here. We're not. But I'm just saying, answer the question, man. And, and I don't know what you read into that. Maybe you, you read that and you think this dude's just lost hope. I've been there. Maybe that's how you read that. That's not how I read that. I kind of read that as this woe is me attitude. Right? Woe is me. You ever meet an Eeyore in your life? I don't know where my tail might be. Woe is me, I've lost it again. This guy has been laying here in the same place. He's put himself in a place where he hears that people have been changed. He's, He's even witnessed the change himself. Jesus comes to him and says, do you want that? Do you want to be healed? He says, I just can't get down to the water in time. Hear me, there's grace. This is grace, what's about to happen. So Jesus says to him, so there's the question. First we have the question. Listen, I'm just going to ask you the same question this morning. I don't know why you're here, but I I hope you're here 
because you're trying to put yourself in a place because you know there's stuff going on in your life that's not right. You know there's stuff in your life that needs to be changed. But I'm, I'm going to ask you, okay, that's fine because I'm about to give you the how-to. But before I give you the how-to, I just lovingly got to ask you the same question that Jesus asked. I think he asked it of all of us. Do you want to? Do you actually want to be healed? Right? Do you want to be healed? And so, uh, listen, that question is directly followed by two commands. Here's the first. Ready? Verse 8. Get up. That's the first command. First command of God, right, to this man who's, who's kind of sitting and he's kind of sulking in his circumstances. The very first command of Jesus is get up. Right? Get, get up. You, you can't stay here in your self-pity. You can't stay here in your shame. You cannot stay here. Get up. Amen. It's the first command. And listen, I, I don't know what it is that knocked you down, friend. But, but I, I know life's that way. Like, I, I've been there before. I've been knocked down by, by, by people in the church. I've been knocked down by my own sin and the shame that Satan has, has convinced me that, 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 that somehow I'm not good enough for God. I, I've been there, right? I, I've been knocked down several times in several different ways. But I, I think the command of God to all people, right, he comes with the question, do you want to get well? And, and if the, the answer is even remotely yes, the next thing out of our Lord's lips are then fine, get up. Right? Get up. Because I did not create you to lie on a mat. I didn't create you to stay in the fetal position being beaten by life. That's not how I created you. So you got to get up. It's a first command, right? First command says you, you got to get up. Pick up your mat. Get up. Get going. Get out of here. And then listen to this verse, verse 9. It's crazy. Instantly the man got well. Instantly, the man got well. Gives him the command. The guy has faith to do it. He stands up. Okay, now here's the deal. It says after that, Jesus slips out. He slips out. He removes himself. Why? Why? I I want you to know this is important. Jesus did not physically heal everybody at that pool that day. See, some of us come to Jesus what we want. We all want physical healing. But on this day, only one man got healed. And we got to be okay with that. We've got to be okay with those circumstances in our life. We've got to be okay trusting God that today may not be our day of, of that kind of physical healing. But, but rather, because Jesus didn't come. Now, there are other days in the text where it says all of the lame and the sick that were brought to Jesus, he healed them all. There are other places in the Bible, but today is not that day. You see, today, Jesus was not here to heal everyone. He was here to teach someone a lesson. So I'm going to say to you today, are you that someone? You want Jesus to teach you a lesson today? Are you that someone? Because that's what it was. It was about teaching one person a lesson today. So I prepared this week, prayed over this. That's my hope. There's one person today that walks away and says, oh man, that applies to my life. We did all right. He was here to teach someone a lesson. Just, just one person, right? So look at uh, verse 14. Jesus seeks the man out. Goes out after the man again. Now he's, he came to the man in the first place. He healed the man physically. Now he's going to seek the man out and he's going, to, he's going to give him the second command. Question, do you want to get well? Command number one, get up. Get out of here. Stop sitting, stop sulk, get up. Okay, second command, ready? Verse 14. After this, Jesus found him in the temple, 
And he said to him, see, you are well. Ready? Here's the second command. Do not sin anymore so that something worse doesn't happen to you. Mm. That's hard to chew on. Now, some scholars think that what Jesus is saying is that this man's suffering is a result of his own sin. So Jesus is pointing back to his own sin, saying, hey, don't do this again. There's going to be that physical suffering come. And, and that's a possibility. I just want to, there's possibilities. I want to tell you there's possibilities. Because the Bible really says that there are many causes for our suffering in life. The first cause of suffering is, is, is the fall of mankind. Uh, it happens in Genesis chapter 3. Sin enters the world. And everything in creation, including all of creation itself, is, is, is really uh, becomes corrupted at that point. Uh, nature, which we, we look, oh, nature is so beautiful. It's corrupt. It ain't working right either, okay? God's got to restore all that. God's restoring a lot of things as we speak. So sometimes when we suffer, it's not because of our own actions. It's actually just because we live in a fallen world and now life is hard and it's difficult. Um, I mean, all those kind of things. And ladies that have given birth multiple times, God bless you. But, uh, you know, that's suffering right there. That's part of the fall. It's just part of the fall. It wasn't because you sinned that childbirth hurts. It was just because of sin as a whole. Men, when you get tired of hard work, Man, you're working your butt off and you feel like you never get any honor, you never get any respect. You just, you just work, work, work. You feel like everything's meaningless, right? Guess what? That's a result of, of the sin of humanity. That goes back to Genesis chapter three, okay? So sometimes we suffer and it's not a result of our own personal sin. Uh, sometimes we suffer and it's actually a result of spiritual warfare. Uh, we, we have an enemy, he's real, his name is the devil, uh, Satan, he's a fallen angel, and, and the Bible says that he buffets us, that he hits us, that he slaps us, that he punches us. He brings all of, of the forces of, of, of evil against us, and that we have this great spiritual warfare, and we, we're trying to make heed, we're trying to follow Jesus, we're just getting whooped, and so we stop. That's what he wants. That's the goal. Beat you up until you're like, I'm done, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to get up and read my Bible anymore. I'm not going to go to church anymore. I'm done. I'm hurt. See, somebody in that place did something to me, right? Some, somebody did. I'm, I'm done. I'm hurt. What is that? That's, that's, that's spiritual warfare. It's not that somebody didn't do something. It's just that he's using that against you. Uh, you're forgetting that you are that somebody too, right? So the, the third reason that we suffer is, is it comes into what I'm just saying, the sin of others, Sometimes we're suffering. It has nothing to do with our own sinful action, right? When a drunk driver runs a red light and and plows into the car and kills your child, that's not your fault, right? You're going to suffer that great loss. You're going to suffer that loss at the hands of somebody else that was sinning, right? It's not on you. It's not meant. God doesn't intend for you to then then, then sit and go, oh, what did I do? What did I do? I I, I went the green light. I turned this way. It's not about you. It's about the sin of somebody else that has assaulted you. Sometimes we suffer because of that, right? But sometimes we do suffer because of our own sin. I don't want to hide that from you. Now, in John chapter 9, Jesus is going to have an encounter with a blind guy, and he's going to, everybody's going to go, what, what sin did this guy commit that he was born blind? Jesus is going to say it wasn't his sin, it wasn't his parents' sin. In fact, it wasn't for any of that, so that God could be glorified in his life. Okay? So it's not always that, but sometimes it is that, right? Uh, sometimes my, my job involves, you know, sitting with people in the hospital that are dying. Emphysema, lung cancer. What happened? Smoke. Four packs a day for 40 years. It's a result of their actions. They, they know it's a result of their actions. Their, their liver is shot, right? Why is their liver shot? All the alcohol, right? It's a, it's a result of their actions, right? Okay? 
I had a period of my life I ran from God. I, I got an STD. I have to take medication every single day. It's so difficult. I can't find anybody in life. Why? Why? Because, because it's a result of your own behavior. So there are some times we suffer and it's a result of our sin. All right? But sometimes it's just about our sanctification. I would tell you in all those things, the Bible says that God can use those and work those and he wants to work those for good. For the good of those that love him. That, that sometimes we suffer for the sole purpose of showing us our need for Christ and we press into Christ, we become more like Christ. That's the goal, right? That sometimes if you want to sharpen the blade, right, you've got to grind it. It's got to happen. It's got to happen, okay? So, <clears throat> now, what about our story? Some people say this was because of this, this own guy's sin. And that's what Jesus... So they're, what they're implying is Jesus say, hey, if, if you keep sinning, you're going to be in a worse situation than you are now. They think it has to do with physical life. I want to tell you, I believe... It's my interpretation, so I'm telling you it's mine. I believe what Jesus is not... Re- he's not referencing physical life anymore. I think he talks to this guy about getting well on two levels. And the first level he talks to him is about the, like physical level. He says, hey, man, do you want to get well? Right? Do you want to be reconciled to society? Right? Because currently you're unclean in society. You're an outcast in society. Do you want to be reconciled to society? And, 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 and the guy doesn't even say yes. He makes a bunch of excuses. Jesus says, get up and get out of here. Later, the guy goes to the temple. Again, some scholars are going to go, well, he's in the temple. That's showing that he's praising God. We have no record that he's praising God. Okay? In Jewish culture, what you had to do, Jesus is going to heal 10 lepers in another place. And then he tells all 10 lepers, you have to go show yourself to the priest now. You got to go to the temple so you can be declared clean again. Okay? It was just part of their society structure. Now, when he heals those 10 lepers, only one of them comes back to Jesus to give him thanks. And Jesus says that one out of 10 was saved. One, not 10. Not all that were healed were saved. One dude was saved, the one that came back to give thanks. We have no record that this guy ever came back to give thanks. Okay? So, so he's in the temple. Like, hey, do you want to be reconciled to society? He's reconciled to society, okay? All right? We have no record that he's reconciled to God. And here's my fear. I fear that this guy's settled. I fear that he's settled for, for, for getting back into the temple instead of becoming the temple. You follow me? He, he, he settled for the outer courts. When God's goal for him was always the inner courts, what Jesus was saying to him is, listen, I'm going to tell you, man, if, if you don't start following me, if you don't start following you, like it's not going to end well for you. And, and, and kind of the way that would play out, the way we would interpret that verse then is Jesus is saying, you think the last 38 years of lying in your own fecal matter has been tough. That ain't nothing compared to hell. That amount of suffering that you think you, you, you took on for 38 years, that is nothing compared to what you will face in eternal judgment, right? So stop following yourself. Stop saying. Stop saying, all right? So what do we, what do we learn from all this? What do we do? Uh, I have so many other things. Guys, I'm just going to tell you a reigning banner statement over this whole morning is that only Jesus can, can make your life whole, Right? Like the, you can turn to a lot of other places to try to do it. There may be some others that can maybe reconcile you to society, but there's only one person that can reconcile you to God. And he is the one that is the, the son of the father. He is doing the father's will, as we read, and, and he has life in him. He has life in him. If we believe in him, he will resurrect us one day. We will be with him forever, okay? All right, that, that's kind of what this text would read out. So, so what do we do? I'm going to give you some application. We'll be done very quickly. Number one, uh, application on the back of your sermon notes. I think, first of all, you need to want it, right? Do you want to get well, right? Do you want to? Because if you don't want to, I've, I've wasted the last half an hour with you. 
Just gonna be honest. If you don't want to, the how-to doesn't matter if you don't want to. I mean, you ask anybody that's, that's struggled with addiction or has somebody in their life that's dealt with addiction, you can put them in the best program known to man, but if they don't want to get well, they will walk out of the program going, yeah, I learned some stuff, doesn't matter to me. Doesn't matter to me, right? And, and, and folks, I, I don't mean to offend you, but the Bible says we are all sin addicts. That's who we are. We are addicted to the flesh. We are addicted to our own nature. And so when we come, I'm just telling you, you want, you want to, to, to see the work of God in your life. The very first thing, you have to want it. you got to want it. So it's not enough to come to church, put yourself in the place to hear how to get well. There were a bunch of other dudes and, and, and ladies at, 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 at the uh, colonnades that day that were there in the porticos that day that, that may have seen what Jesus had done or heard what Jesus had done, right? you got to want it. It's not enough to put yourself in the place. Number two, uh, I think the command, right? We, we move from the question to the command. The very next thing we have to do is we have to get up. We have to get up. <laughs> there, there are so many power, uh, there's so much power in those words. I've read those words of Jesus. I just thought about my own life. And I, I think to understand uh, what Jesus is saying, you have to have been on mat at some point, right? You have to, if, you, if you're here and you've ever been knocked down, you know how powerful a statement that is, right? When, when Jesus comes to you, you've been knocked down, you're down and out, you've been hurt by people, you, maybe it's your own sin, maybe it's your own shame, um, maybe it's your own past, whatever it is, you're constantly reminded of it, you're just kind of laying there, and suddenly Jesus walks up to you and says, hey, I'm not done with you yet. Get up. Get up, right? There is power in those words, get up. And so that's the second thing we have to do is decide, you know what? This is not my destiny. This is not where my story is. My story is not about somebody that followed Jesus for a period of time and then got hurt and laid there until they died. That's not how my story ends. I believe that God wants me to get up. And so get up, right? Third thing, third thing. We really have to repent. Okay, if you want to get well, you have to be willing to change. The biblical word for that change is called repentance. It means that I am willing to stop following myself. I'm willing to start following him. Now listen, we talk about the free gift of God in Jesus Christ, which hear me, uh, that is free in a sense that there's nothing that you or I can do to earn it, but it's not completely free. Maybe you've never heard that preached. It's not completely free because it costs God his own son, okay? It's also not free because to receive that that free gift, again, there's nothing you can do to purchase it, but to receive it, you do have to exchange something. You gotta give up all your baggage. You gotta give up all your guilt. You gotta give up all your shame. You gotta give up your spot at the portico. You gotta give up your mat. You gotta give up the sulking. You gotta give up the, the past. You gotta give up the sin. You gotta give up all the shame. You gotta give that to him so that you can receive his life. That's what you gotta do. So it does cost you something. And that's what repentance is. Repentance means that I'm heading in my way. And, and so some of you are only half repented. And that's not really repentance, by the way. What, what happens is you were walking in sinful de- desires and behaviors and God convicted your heart that it was wrong. And so you said, okay, God, I'm gonna stop. And here's where you are. You're here. The problem is, that's step one. Now, step two is I turn away from that and I turn to Christ. That's step two. Some of you are here. You've done step two. You've turned your back to your sinful ways. But guess what? You haven't done step three, which is walking back to Jesus, right? That's repentance. I was walking one direction. I've stopped in that direction. I've turned around. And now I'm walking towards the one who has told me that I can be made whole, okay? That's what it is. That's what it looks like. Last one, number four, rejoice in your suffering. 
Um, I used to really struggle with passages in the Bible that says I'm supposed to count it joy when I face trials and tribulations. What do you mean? What do you mean? You're mad, dude. You're crazy. Then I began to study the life of these men that, that lost their lives ultimately for the kingdom of God. Uh, what does it mean when, when the Bible says we need to rejoice in our sufferings? Well, here's the beauty. So, so here's the other side. So when Jesus says to this man, right, so, hey, you need, to, you need to stop sinning or it's going to be worse for you. And again, if that's a statement on, on the kingdom of God as a whole and on hell, which I believe it is, I've told you kind of my belief there, uh, then what he was saying to that man is if you think the 38 years of suffering you've had have been, been hard, hell is, is uh, way worse than that, right? So that, 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 that's what he's saying. So that, that's one side of that coin. Here's the other side of that coin, and this is beautiful. This is why we should rejoice. Ready? If you've trusted in Christ, that thing that you have endured... That's suffering that has hurt so bad. Listen, if you've trusted in Christ, that is as close as you'll get to hell. That's the other side of the coin. Amen? If, if I've trusted in Jesus, then what I have endured in the flesh is as close as I will ever experience of hell because I will be in glory with him. Amen? Like, that's it. So I can rejoice in this, right? Because I know how the story ends. I know how the story ends, and for me, not because of anything that I have done, but because of the free gift of grace that I've received in Christ, my story ends in glory. That makes it all worth it. Makes it all worth it. Amen? Amen. Amen. And that is why we rejoice. I don't know what else you can learn from this guy's life. I wrote down a few things. I think this is the most important lesson, right? If we want to be healed. If we want to get well, we've got to be willing to change. Change our mind, change our perspective, change our behaviors. Get up. All right. Pray with me this morning. God, thank you for loving us. I know I've run over my time limit. You are good. I pray this morning, um, even though we're not going to have an official invitation, I pray that um, each of us would hear your invitation in our hearts, in our spirits. You are calling each of us to the same thing today. The beauty of this story is that you say in your word that we've all been paralyzed by sin, right? All of us. And you come to each of us, you come to each of us, and you say to each of us the same thing. You speak life. Do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? Here's what it's going to take. You're going to have to get up, and you're going to have to follow me. You're going to have to believe in me that I'm sufficient for you, that I'm enough for you. So God, for anybody here today that maybe has just forgotten what that healing is like, for anybody here that's down and out, they've been on the mat for too long, King Jesus, by the power of your Holy Spirit, would you speak to their hearts right now this simple invitation. Get up and get going. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.